Welcome, Tester Illusions. We want to take a quick second to congratulate Joe Biden and Kamala Harris on uh, winning the presidency finally after a whole week of nonstop cable news uh, focusing on uh, Pennsylvania counties and Georgia counties and Arizona counties. All our other Ezra Dial Illusions coverage has been uh, was preempted last week. We have a couple shows that have been recorded in between the last Mandalorian episode and this one, but they're going to air afterward because, you know, who's... Actually, I mean, our numbers were up this week, even though I kept thinking to myself, who wants to watch, who wants to listen to a podcast during a... Uh, when there's a big presidential election to be decided, but... You're here, and I'm here, so we're going to talk about Mandalorian. Season 2, Episode 2, Chapter 10, The Passenger. A passenger who probably wishes she had booked a passage on a different ship that didn't have a little baby who ate all her babies. We will uh, dive into that later. But for now, we're still on Tatooine, where Mando and Baby Yoda are riding a speeder bike. And so people see them, and they plant a trap. Now... I mean, the rope trap was. <laughs> just kind of thinking of this now. The the like you're you're riding a speeder bike through the desert, and these people manage to to plot the exact like small sort of rock rock gap that they would be able to plant a trap like that and actually have it work. Kind of ridiculous, but uh, that's that is literally what suspension of disbelief is for. Stuff like this that that when you think about it. Doesn't really make a ton of sense, but hey, look pretty cool. And that whole sequence, I mean, great action, I'll say that. Little, uh, you know, Mando gets to fight. Baby Yoda's held hostage. Mando's going to trade his jetpack. And, uh, of course, he's not going to let the guy live. No way. Not after you threaten everybody's favorite uh, little critter, who's the absolute cutest. Probably actually the best moment of the entire episode is when, when Baby Yoda's kind of smiling at, at Mando's cruelty. I, I mean, I say cruelty. I'm not even 100% sure it was really cruel. I, I, if somebody threatens your kid, you know, Bat, Batman can go on and on about how you can't kill for any reason. And I say, you know, somebody threatens your kid like that, holds a knife to their throat. Not the worst thing in the world. So, and Baby Yoda looked, looked pretty pleased with that. He was uh, smiling. He was all happy that uh, his father took revenge. Uh, good riddance. Good riddance. But Mando's jetpack that was going to be traded for the child's life is not powerful enough to sustain the weight of Mando, all his luggage, and the child. So they're going to walk back to Mos Eisley. They don't have phones. I, I was kind of thinking... Like, we know they have communicators. I mean, they weren't really used in the original trilogy. Although, if you think about it, like the the idea of who they'd be calling out in deep space is uh, maybe they checked in with the the Republican Empire. There was a the rebellion. Wow, third third try on that one. I don't know. I mean, they use the communicator a lot in uh, a little bit in the Phantom Menace where uh, Saboba. So, Sio Bible, the, the guy who stayed behind on Phantom Menace on uh, Naboo, was like, you must contact me. And then, of course, Obi-Wan and Anakin communicate a bit on uh, 
in Attack of the Clones. So, I mean, they have some kind of communicator. Mando can't call Peli, who has his ship. I mean, you'd think if you were leaving your ship and going out out into the middle of a desert planet, you'd have like a callback number in case anything went wrong. And he has her, her speeder bike and doesn't actually mention that the speeder bike's broken. But uh, he doesn't call. He walks. And that's okay. Although, I mean, you got to wonder, is he getting dehydrated under that helmet out there? He, you'd never see him take a drink of water while he's walking. Uh, I don't know. Let's not nitpick. But we get to the, uh, we get to the cantina. And... I mean, okay, so last last episode I criticized uh, the really the the way they used Amy Sedaris. Uh, Peli is a is a fun character, and at this point in the season, the only other recurring character that that we have we haven't seen uh, we haven't seen Grief played by Carl Weathers. We haven't seen uh, Gina Carano's Cara Dune. We 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 have no other characters besides a character who never shows his face and a little baby who can't talk but does adorable things that, and i'm not i'm not saying that's the biggest issue in the world but um it it, it makes you wonder when you see a character like pelly and she's really speaking the whole interaction in the cantina came across really as as the kind of quick sort of pleasantry banter that you would see in an episode of Law and Order, which which has to pack in into a 40-minute runtime, a uh, investigation and a trial. So the characters, like, you know, you don't learn much about their personal lives, but they have have pleasantries as they're walking through New York. But, but like, 10 seconds of that, it's, like, straight into the plot. And that's honestly how the cantina felt. They have some... Brief banter about uh, Rodian Spawn and being out out in the desert, and then it's like immediately she looks at him and is like, "Oh, you need to advance the plot. I have a person who will help you do just that, and all it's going to take is a uh, particular set of circumstances. It doesn't make your your voyage really easy. I mean, this is it, it, if you're sitting there and you're kind of rolling your eyes at the idea that they're going that, that they can't use uh, hyper, uh, hyperspace, they they have to use sublight to travel. I mean, it is an eye roll. I mean, I, I've seen enough episodes of Star Trek to know that the like creative uh, hindering or inability to use the the easiest way to travel is is something that that is used a lot. So uh, we'll accept that. And yet, I mean, just to go back to Amy Sedaris for a moment, Carl Weathers really helped carry a lot of the early episodes with his interactions with Mando in terms of setting the mood of the show and the tempo and where they were and kind of serving as, as a powerful conduit for, for Mando, for the audience to understand the, the way of the Mandalorian and all of that and, and they had substantive interactions in basically every scene he was in. Here with Pelly, a little bit of jokes here and there, very quickly, and then it's immediately into advancing the plot. The character doesn't linger at all beyond kind of the bare necessity with a little sprinkle of charisma that, that Amy Sedaris is, is good at supplying. And it, it's a dynamic. If if you go back and you watch the early episodes of the first season, you, you can see what I'm saying. There's there's 
Carl Weathers is given so much more space to work with his character here, and it, it really feels like uh, Amy Sedaris was just just sort of thrown in. And I I, I don't want to linger too much on this idea, but the reason it kind of matters is this season has not at all presented a case for why finding other Mandalorians is is anything other than really a plot device to to serve as as the backdrop through which all of these sort of side adventures happen. This is a show that loves its side adventures, and and that, there's nothing wrong with that. The show does really, really well at self-contained, episodic storytelling. However, this episode in particular was really hindered by the fact that none of the dialogue connected. I mean, you, you you have a contrast of really three spectacular action sequences. You have the Western, then you have the the... In, with in Tatooine, and then you had the space battle, and then you had ice spiders, something like out of Harry Potter or Game of Thrones. Or well, we didn't really see the ice spiders. They've been in Game of Thrones lore. If you're an Estrada Illusions fan from the Game of Thrones fandom, you'd know that ice spiders are kind of a, one of the fandoms uh, <laughs> top of their wish list of uh, fun little Easter eggs. The action sequences were great. I felt like, and I, I said this in my written review, every every bit of dialogue, practically every bit of dialogue, was clunky, and it sucked. And, I mean, the, the, the biggest example of this would be Frog Lady, who's literally, I, I checked it up before I was doing my written review, on IMDb, the credit is for Frog Lady. And Frog Lady... Frog Lady is ridiculous. And the show doesn't really seem to have an idea... Of whether or not it wants to portray Frog Lady as sort of a farce and a joke and something to kind of chuckle, you know, I mean, not not entirely dissimilar from the way that Chewbacca was treated, especially in uh, A New Hope or, or Empire as like the walking carpet or, you know, the Wookiee is kind of an afterthought or a sort of a fool. Frog Lady is is kind of treated as you know the 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 object of of Yoda, Baby Yoda's you know humiliation, literally eating eating her spawn, eating her eggs on three separate occasions in the show, two of which happen before Frog Lady hooks up the dismantled Q90 from uh, episode six of last season and decides that she's going to lay this pity party on Mando after they've crashed on the ice planet, and Mando's like, you know what, I'm not traveling on this deal's off, this sucks. Which, he was apparently pretty quick to when you think about the idea that apparently the show is trying to get, a, is trying to convince us that this matters, the, the frog lady's husband knows where Mandalorians are. This is supposed to be important, and yet Mando is, is very quick to say, nope, which... I mean, in all seriousness, is probably something that he's pro- thinking anyway. I mean, it's not like Mando had any trouble finding other Mandos last season at all, and yet apparently now this is kind of something that he can only get the help of via stragglers that he comes into immediate contact with at, at practically every turn. You know, there's suspension of disbelief, and then there's overconvenience and uh, plot holes and... If you have to kind of ask these questions, it's not necessarily nitpicking. It's kind of a case of, you know, what is this? The show is is really underestimating its audience's intelligence. And the 
it's okay if you like this. If you if, if all you want are space battles and action, this show is so great at that. But when they tried to have Frog Lady throw this pity party on Mando, I started laughing, and I'm like, "Give me a break! You can't treat this character as a joke." And then on the turn of a th- and on the turn of a screw, say, "Oh, actually, I thought Mandalorians were supposed to be full of honor." I mean. Does honor really apply when you're crashed on an ice planet and there's a giant hole? Would you want to fly into space with that hole, with a hole in the ship that, you know, a little bit of flame, he's welding it together? Oh, good to go. I mean, this is, it's, 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 this is messy stuff here. I did like the first new uh, interaction with the X-Wings from the New Republic. That was, that was fun. You get to see a little bit of, of kind of how they're trying to uh, form a government. I mean... Not this will be nitpicking, but like Tatooine's on the outer rim. It's not ever really under control of either the old republic or the Empire. And I mean, expanded universe people, if you're listening, I mean, feel free to to tweet me or crack me if I'm wrong. But I, I don't remember the New Republic ever really focusing on Tatooine that much either. I mean, the outer rim is really kind of a lawless area. So you have these two X-wings just flying around patrolling. Uh, the 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 quadrant right over that they're using the sublight to fly through i don't i, I don't know but it's it's a cute way to of, of showing kind of how that government was functioning post return of the jedi pre uh the binks awakens the force awakens which is just kind of a remake i mean with that in mind, so The Force Awakens puts the map to Skywalker in the middle of its plot, and that's really just kind of a stand-in for the uh, the plans for the Death Star from A New Hope, because The Force Awakens is basically... It, it is really a remake of A New Hope, for all intents and purposes. And the map to Skywalker is ridiculous in, in no large part, because when they actually succeed with the map to Skywalker and go to Skywalker, he doesn't really want to help. It's a map to a guy who actually like actually doesn't want to help you. The comparison to that in A New Hope would be if R2, if they rescue him, if they get to Yavin 4 and it turns out that the Death Star schematics don't reveal that there's a hole. If they're like, oh, these plans are actually worthless. That's kind of what the map to Skywalker was. And I only bring that up because this, oh, we have to go find other Mandalorians. I mean... Do I have a ton of confidence that this plot line is going to bear fruit? I, I, I don't... I, I, I'm skeptical. We'll see. I'm happy. I'll, I will be happy to admit if I'm wrong. But I, I'm, I'm skeptical right now. I described this in my, my review, but this episode kind of felt like the various uh, conflicts that, that advanced the plot at each turn were kind of like... a. a puzzle pieces that that didn't really connect that well together but like if you jam them together it, it fit kind of but you're looking at the picture thinking like maybe there's another way to do this i mean maybe mando maybe mando decides that that trying to explain this situation to the x-wing pilots is not a good idea and he runs and it turns out that he's kind of noble, and in the time that they spend looking for him and then finding him and saving him, uh, in between that time, they, they find out that he's actually kind of a noble person. They get his whole, uh, like, they're flying around on the X-Wing, and they pull up the screen, and they can look at his Wikipedia entry, and they can figure out that he's, like, a nice guy. 
And then they leave before they help him fix that giant hole in his ship that... I mean, it doesn't really... Like, that That hole was bad. It kind of... It didn't seem like the kind of thing that a guy by himself on an ice planet full of ice spiders would just be able to fix, and yet they leave him. And I, I guess that's okay. But, uh... That sequence was kind of ridiculous. Frog Lady in the hot tub when Baby Yoda's going around playing with the alien xenomorphs. Uh, that was... Uh, Kind of a mess. I mean, we learn that these eggs are the last of her offspring, and then Baby Yoda eats another egg at the end of the episode after Frog Lady saves his life. How are we... What What does this show want us, the audience, how are we supposed to react to Baby Yoda eating the eggs? Are we supposed to think it's cute? It's actually kind of fucked up. I can relate as somebody, as a trans woman who has, like, my, my last remaining sperm is, is banked in a, in a cryobank. If somebody was eat, just eating the little swimmers one by one, I would be furious. The show wants us to feel for this woman while also laughing at the baby who's doing it. It's either something that's really bad or it's not. The show kind of wants to say it's both. And I say, ah, I don't know. I think that's pretty bad. The... Then, of course, you have uh, Mando with with the uh, ice spiders, and he doesn't use his flamethrower until the end. You know, when they're sort of starting to come at him, if he uses the flamethrower, you, you'd kind of think, in a, especially for spiders to live on an ice planet, that they would just say, you know what, not worth it, gonna run away, don't want to die. Fire is a great deterrent for... A- animals have an instinctual fear of fire, many of them, especially arachnids, so... Uh, I don't know. I uh, I I I just don't really know what uh what we're supposed to, how we're supposed to feel about any of this. And you know what? I mean the 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 action the the action scenes were great. They were a lot of fun to watch. This was not good television. There were great special effects, and if you're a fan of uh, shows like Star Wars Rebels, the animated shows, uh, there's a lot of continuity callbacks. Uh, long, long-time Star Wars fans will be satisfied with callbacks. I mean, Pelly's got her, uh, you know, it's always, I always smile when I see the pit droids, uh, all the droids, or going to the cantina is fun. A lot of this is really fun. The writing in this episode was terrible. And I, I don't want to be somebody who just harps on, on serialization constantly because uh, it's clear the show doesn't super care about that. And, and we, the audience, kind of are, are left with this uh, dynamic where th- this is a show that gets nominated for best drama. That, I mean, I, if I'm being 100% serious, it probably doesn't deserve that. And I say that as somebody who thinks Emmys are flawed anyway. So, like... You don't have to care about that. I I don't care that much about that. I'll point that out and also preface that by saying that I don't really care about that. It's okay. It's all okay. However, when you reach an episode like this, which is just so forced, all of it, from the sublight to the talking droid to the, the rescue at the end, Baby Yoda fooling around, getting them into trouble... It was just, you could, you could remove this episode entirely from the season and I don't think it would matter 
And that itself wouldn't matter if this was good television. And a lot of it was. I mean, maybe 20 minutes of this. Like, the action sequences were fine. I actually... My biggest takeaway from this is if they removed every piece of dialogue from this episode, if they did a silent episode, if this episode was 100% silent, I think that would be better than what we ended up getting. You could say, well, maybe that's a gimmick. Maybe that, that wouldn't actually work. The dialogue was really that that bad. We have an episode that delivered stellar action God-awful dialogue and the plotting. It was all clunky. And I don't, I don't want to harp on, on, on that too much. I know people who are inclined to watch, listen to a Mandalorian podcast are, are fans of the show. I am a fan of the show too, obviously, or I wouldn't be doing this. And I'm not just here to nitpick for the sake of nitpicking. However, you can't just give a rubber stamp on every episode and say, this was great because it had a few things that I like. This was fun television, often, but it wasn't really very good television. And that's okay. I mean, a bad... This this may be the worst episode of The Mandalorian. It could be. And a, it's fun. So a bad episode of The Mandalorian is not necessarily unwatch... It's definitely not unwatchable, and it's not really the worst thing in the world. I wouldn't recommend that anybody skip this episode. You'll, you, you may enjoy it. But I didn't think it was good, and I, I would love... Th- I know this show is capable of more, and I would love to see more out of it, because just... Aye, aye, aye. This was just... It, this season hasn't sold us on its, on its season arc, and I, I, I think the end result of this episode is you're just kind of wondering, gee, I mean, I know, I know we're not going to see Boba Fett immediately. We, we may not see him till much later in the season. However, like... And that that's that's fine, except in the sense that that what they offered instead was just not that good. Frog Lady, I I assume she'll be. She's obviously going to be in the next episode. I would really prefer if she wasn't. And that's not really a knock on Frog Lady. The Ant, which was just an homage to director Peyton Reed, who directed Ant Man's. So they put in a giant ant. It's all fun. It's fun. Not very good though. And I don't want to harp more. I said, you, you know, these episodes will be short as needed. There's not a lot to talk about. So, uh, with that, uh, wrap up, uh, expect, let's hope for, let's hope for better in the future. It's, 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 it's a great show. But, uh, great shows have bad episodes. Some great shows, like, Breaking Bad has a, not that many, but a, a good number of bad episodes. The Wire had lackluster seasons, greatest show of all time. It happens. It happens, and it's okay. But there's no point in really saying that that it's anything other than not not that great. And on that note, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time, hopefully for something better. <laughs>